Hey, it's Benito Mussolini Gasolini, and I'm the fuel for your Lamborghini. So tell the girl in the bikini to get over here with my apple teeny. Actually, no, wait, 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 wait. I don't need that apple teeny. I got something better. Tell her to wait. I've got a Miami Cola. I do. And if you, if you didn't listen to the episode the other day where I got into this, you need to listen to that first. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can just sit here with a fresh pair of ears and listen to me talk about the Miami Cola that I have in my hand. I got two of them. I went to the gas station convenience store. I haven't been to a gas station convenience store in probably five months, six months. I don't know, how, however long it's been. Yeah, about six months. And uh, I went there specifically looking for Miami Cola because I figured if any place is going to have a large variety of bang energy drink, it's going to be a gas station convenience store. And sure enough, as as my eyes scanned the energy drink section, I saw what I thought was a Miami Cola can. Miami Cola can. I saw the colors. But I didn't get my hopes up. I've learned over the years. I'm not a cynical person. I'm not as cynical as I used to be. But I've learned not to get my hopes up either. But I saw what I thought was a... I, thought, I saw what I thought were two rows of Miami Cola. And as I got closer, I saw the word cola. And I know Bang Energy drinks. I might not know all the flavors. But I know enough to know there's only one flavor with the word cola in it. And sure enough, they had a two for four deal, or a yeah, two for four dollar deal, cheaper than a cup of coffee, as they say. And uh, I got myself two Miami colas, and that actually makes this. And I'm drinking one of them right now, and th- that makes this the second Miami cola. Because despite all the hype, the last time I talked about this, I'd only ever had it once. I'd only had Miami cola once. Before this, and this is my second can. And you know what? I didn't set myself up for disappointment. It's so good. While the other flavors, and I have to say, there's another flavor that I found out recently is really good too, and it's Cherry Blade Lemonade. And I like that name, Cherry Blade. Hey, what's what's your nickname? Cherry Blade. They call me Cherry Blade Lemonade. <laughs> uh but don't don't be mistaken, even though my name is Cherry Blade Lemonade, that ain't my favorite flavor of Bang Energy Drink. My favorite is Miami Cola. But yeah, I got myself these Miami Colas, and it's every bit as good as I remember. No exaggeration, no joke. It's every bit as good as I remember. It's It's zero calories, but it tastes far better than even Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, Pepsi Zero. Pepsi Zero. It's better than all of those, and I don't mind those. Even though those taste like strange chemical concoctions, which they are, and I don't really drink them anymore. You know, I'll never talk shit on Diet Pepsi, Pepsi Zero, and I'm more of a Pepsi guy than a Coke guy. Like, I'm more of a Burger King guy than a McDonald's guy, and I'm more of a Ford truck guy than a Chevrolet guy. Even though I've never driven a Ford truck, I just prefer them. And as I mentioned before, that's there's a form of product synesthesia where Pepsi, Burger King, and Ford go together while Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and Chevrolet go together. It's just I have this form of product synesthesia where I can just tell you what goes together, what, what naturally kind of harmonizes. Uh, but anyway, you know, I would say this Miami Cola, it's for a zero-calorie cola drink— that's actually an energy drink, it's a way better cola than any of the alternatives. And I would rather have this than sugary ass, fructose ass, regular Pepsi or regular Coke. I would prefer Miami Cola over all of that, you know? You know, you've heard of people getting toxoplasmosis from their cat's litter box, you know, where the I don't know, I guess some kind of bacteria gets in your bloodstream and you, it makes you worship cats. Cat shit in your house makes you worship cats. Well, I've got Miami Cola, uh, whatever it is. I can't, even ma- I can't even make that joke. 
you know, it's just I, I just I'm obsessed though, and I'm I'm kneeling at the Miami Cola altar. But really, what I am is I'm at Miami Cola. I'm in Miami Cola. The plane has arrived, and I'm at that place that I spoke about, that Shangri-La. Welcome to Miami Cola is how you might put it. There's a big sign. There's a banner. When you enter, and the second that Miami Cola hit my lips, I felt, I just felt like I was there. I just felt like I was there. The second it touched my lips, I felt like I was there. But I did have a bad interaction while, and I guess you should, you should face some adversity when you're getting something, a, a treat that you really want. You, you should maybe have to struggle a little bit. And uh, when I was buying these from the gas station, after I finished paying with my debit card, I noticed there was a little, uh, you know, and I was wearing my mask, as you have to around here, and I would wear it anyway. As I've mentioned before, I'm a mask-oriented person. I'm just glad that you can wear masks without scaring people right now. And I hope it lasts forever. I don't hope the disease, I don't hope the coronavirus lasts forever, but I hope that the this mainstreamification of wearing masks everywhere, I hope that that becomes acceptable forever. Forever. Um, but I, So I was wearing my mask, and I noticed there was a, a little uh, hand sanitizer behind the debit card machine, and I thought, should I use it? I'm like, yeah, you know, I just... I just put my finger on a debit card machine in a gas station for one I should use it that's a good reason to use it but actually my real motivation was I want to drink one of these Miami Colas as I walk home because I had walked there and uh, you know I had to run an errand next door to the gas station so I I thought you know I'm just gonna check I'm just gonna check I'm just gonna check to see if they have Miami Cola and sure enough they did thank goodness they did uh, but, you know, after I was done paying, you know, I was just like, you know, yeah, I should put some hand sanitizer on because I'm going to want to crack open that cola and I want to make sure that it's safe. I want to I want to I want to drink my Miami cola safely. So I did. I gave it a pump. I pumped some hand sanitizer into my hand and I guess a couple globs fell down onto the counter and the guy there, the owner, chastised me. He said too much. Use little. He chastised, and then and then he like dramatically wiped the hand sanitizer, the two globs of hand sanitizer from the counter. So he he chastised me double. He chast with those simple broken words. He chastised me one for using too much hand sanitizer, and again I used one pump. And I don't use hand, I don't have hand sanitizer at home. I haven't practiced using hand sanitizer. I would assume one pump is reasonable. And it's got a weird consistency to it, where it's not quite like hand soap or, or you know, uh, pumping hand soap, where it kind of stays to you. It's kind of, some hand sanitizer is kind of runny. It's thick, but it also has a runniness to it. And a little bit dripped down from my one pump. And he chastised me in his few words... And his actions, he, he was chastising me not just for using too much of his precious hand sanitizer, but also for getting it on the counter, which seems like it would be a good thing. Isn't that a good thing? That I got some, some cleanser on his dirty fucking gas station counter? Excuse me. Excuse my language. I don't know. I've had bad experiences at convenience stores over the years. I mean, when I drank... There was this night where I I was at this bar in my neighborhood that I would go to, and I, it was a good bar for me because I would never see anybody I knew. Everybody I knew hung out at the bars downtown, so this neighborhood bar was a place where I could just go, and it was near my house. I could get drunk and not see anybody, and I could draw, and I could talk to people if I wanted, which is something I didn't typically do. I wasn't one of those drunks who sat at the bar looking to chat with people. Like I wasn't a lonely drunk. But at this place, sometimes I would talk to random people or they would talk to me. But one night I was there and there was this group of girls and then a guy and then they they just started talking to me. And this one girl in particular was being very flirty 
I thought she was the girlfriend of the guy, but I guess it turned out she wasn't. They were just friends, but she was being very flirty, and they were kind of like, as the it, we closed out the bar, and I guess there was a sort of, you know, it's very hazy, but there was some sort of invitation to, of an after party, and we were going to the nearby convenience store to get, and, I, and and I'd never, you know, I never had had after parties with strangers. You know, I never, like, met random girls and went home with them when I was drinking. You know, that just wasn't something. I, I wasn't a person who, even if I got drunk and talked to strangers, it wasn't, you. it was very rare for the rest of my night to involve hanging out with strangers or meeting strange people. It just didn't typically happen. And usually anything like that, if it was an acquaintance, you know, you, yeah, you would be hanging out with friends or you'd run into acquaintances. And sometimes you end up hanging out with people that you don't know that well, but you at least know them a little bit. But as far as people I had never met before, I never hung out with them, you know, or at after parties. But anyway, long story short, like we went to this convenience store to get beer and I bought a six pack and I stupidly was carrying it by the handle because, you know, six packs of beer, the little cardboard containers, they're designed to break. You know, it's like a it's like a toy that has like a breakaway action like, oh, this uh, this Optimus Prime semi truck trailer breaks away to show damage, to show action. Beer card cardboard beer six pack holders are the same. The handle is designed to break away so that you break your beer and you have to buy more. I mean, I'm convinced of that. And so I was stupidly holding it by the by the handle stupidly holding it by the thing that you're meant to hold it by. And it broke as I was walking out the door, and like three of the beers cracked, and they broke, and the beer drained out. And so I went back in, and I I said to the owner, and I, I was a regular at this convenience store, and I didn't just buy beer there. I bought all kinds of things. I bought, I, I bought everything they sold. <laughs> Anything that they had for sale in this convenience store, I would buy. And so I, I went back in and I was like, hey, the handle on my beer broke. Can I just replace these broken beers with with not broken beers? Can I just replace these three beers that broke? And the convenience store owner was, you know, an, an old guy. He's like, no, no. He got very hostile to me very quickly is, I think, what pissed me off. And I, I wasn't a belligerent drunk, you know. I really wasn't famous last words, but I was not a belligerent drunk. I mean, every once in a while I would get mad maybe if I was provoked, but I definitely wasn't. I was much more of a, a friendly drunk overall, especially if, when I was alone, I might get dark and weird and throw a knife at my wall or something. But when I was with people, I, I never started fights for the most part. But this convenience store owner, just the mere suggestion of replacing my broken beers for free he was just like he he did that thing too almost like when a like an incomplete pass in a football game when the referee swipes his arms horizontally he was doing that and like he's like no no and uh I, and i i got really mad and i was like come on just let me just let me replace the broken beers i'm a regular customer and uh and so in uh, finally i just i, I before i left I, I realized i wasn't going to be able to replace my broken beers and so i yelled go lick pussy flames in hell I don't know where I came up with that. I've never heard that. I'd never thought of that before. And on one hand, I'm deeply embarrassed that in front of these random strangers I was about to hang out with, girls, I yelled at a convenience store owner who wouldn't replace my broken beer. I yelled at him, go lick pussy flames in hell. I'm, on one hand, very embarrassed at that whole interaction because I've never been a confrontational person like that. I've never been somebody to get into fights with a convenience store clerk or owner. On the other hand, I'm extremely proud that I made that up on the spot. Like, I don't know where that came from. Pussy flames in hell. I can almost visualize it. I can almost visualize. I can visualize it. But just, I don't know where in my soul that statement came from. But it was definitely, it was like a flow state. It was something that, like, it was given to me. That phrase, that statement, it was given to me in that moment. Go lick pussy flames in hell. And this guy, you know, he, English wasn't his first language. He was elderly. He was old. 
I'm not the good guy in this situation, obviously. This isn't me. The This isn't a story about Eric, the protagonist. It's, it's about Eric humiliating himself in front of strangers who he was going to go to an after party with. Meanwhile, coming up with just a, a statement of pure ingenuity. Practically poetry. Go lick pussy flames in hell. So, and, and I'm glad that that situation was one of both humiliation and pride. Sometimes it's like a Zen koan, yet again. How do you reconcile a moment where you feel humiliation but also pride? Well, you don't have to reconcile it. You can feel both at the same time. You just have to say things like, go lick pussy flames in hell and meditate on it. Just meditate on that statement. It'll do wonders for your spirit. And of course, those people that I was hanging out with, those girls, here I am, and I'm walking around with this, you know, because I didn't get rid of the beer. So I have this six-pack of beer in my hand in a cardboard container, and three of them are broken. So there's broken glass. I'm walking around with broken glass and three beers in a container, and the the girls are going, they're waiting at a bus stop. And the guy is still with them. It's not like I wasn't bothering them. But I just like kind of stood there waiting with them. And I could tell they were very uncomfortable with me at that point. <laughs> For obvious reasons. The guy that, the nice guy from the bar that they were going to hang out with just screamed, go lick pussy flames in hell to a convenience store owner. Yeah, we're going to invite this guy to our house. And so I was standing there and just like acting like nothing happened. I was standing with them just acting like nothing happened and then I remember, like, one of the girls was like, we're just going to go home. I, I don't know what your plan is. And that just crushed my soul, you know? Because <laughs> I wasn't looking for friends that night. It was, it was just totally random. But, like, I did, here's an adventure. And it wasn't like, and, and I wasn't the type of guy to be like, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get with one of these girls. Oh, one of these girls is going to, you know, that wasn't even the kind of drinker I was, you know, for the most part. But it was just a moment, though, where it was like, I was just excited to be on an adventure. There were these, like, random girls I met. It was, it sounded like I was going to be just having a kind of a fun drinking adventure. And then these girls are just like, yeah, we're just, we're just going home. You know, I don't know what your plan is. And then, so I walked the few blocks back to my house. Just imagine that. Imagine me walking in the cover of darkness with my broken beer bottles. With like some sense of rejection and humiliation and anger at that convenience store owner, but also pride over my spur of the moment poetry, pussy flames in hell. You know, there's a reason why I don't drink anymore. And that, was, and that wasn't even the reason, but... That was a, a th you know, a thing. But anyway, just what reminded me of that is this interaction today with this, while I was obtaining my Miami Cola, getting chastised for using too much hand sanitizer, even though it was one pump. And I, you know, and, and this guy should be thankful I used the hand sanitizer. You know, he's in, in an at-risk position. He's working at a, a shell station. He's an older guy himself, and he's working at a shell station, and, you know, he, he's at risk. And so he should be happy that I decided, you know, he didn't require me to use that hand sanitizer. I did it by choice. I did the right thing. And he chastised me. And it, it kind of gets into my point here. And I'm going to get back to the good stuff. I'm going to get back to the Miami Cola. But just my point is, is that I've been saying this since March. I've been saying this since the coronavi quarantine pandemonium since all of this hit it's just that we can't afford for our limited interactions to be negative or hostile we can't be nitpicking each other when we don't need to we really just can't be doing that and it's this guy didn't ruin my day i, I had a little bit of fun i was like ha people just can't avoid nitpicking you know i find the humor in it and uh, you know i'm doing a show so I'm going to talk about it, but it's just something I'm just so aware of right now, and I don't think nitpicking is a good idea to begin with. I think nitpicking is something to avoid doing to begin with. 
Because usually, you know, and you think about the term nitpicking. Do you ever think of that as a heroic act? Or even if we don't, we don't have to get heroic. We don't have to think in like terms of heroism and villainy. But do you ever think of like, oh, he's a really good guy. He nitpicks really well. Oh, he always nitpicks. That's why he's a good person. No, nobody who nitpicks, it's never a good quality to nitpick somebody. It means that you're choosing something minor to harp on that you don't need to harp on. And chances are it won't cause that person to readdress their actions in the future. Like, this guy didn't change the way that I'm going to use hand sanitizer in the future, even in his store. And I might go there again because he has the Miami Cola. I'm not going to protest his store either because he nitpicked me. But, you know, it's one of those things where if you're going to if you're going to try to correct somebody. You have to do it in a way where they're actually going to listen to you. And you should also take into account the circumstances, the time in which you are living and whether nitpicking is the right thing to do. Uh, you know, and this came up months ago when the guy nitpicked me for having a few too many items in the express lane at the grocery store when the guy, you know, argued with me, the guy behind me in line. And that was when I first said this, which is that right now we cannot afford for our limited interactions, be it in the public, but especially in the public, uh, you know, especially in the public at the store, at these places where everybody's already tense and weird and isolated from each other, you know, the, you can't afford to nitpick, nitpick people in that situation. And uh, and it, it could be like a straw that breaks the camel's back situation, too. It could be the nitpick that breaks the camel's back. Because we are seeing people snap. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, a guy here was shopping at Fred Meyer, and somebody gave him shit about a mask, and he pulled a gun out. Didn't shoot anybody, but he, he kept shopping, which is funny. He put the gun away, and he kept shopping. He just pulled the gun out. It's like the Wild West. He just was like, don't bother me about not wearing a mask. Puts his gun back away and keeps shopping. And, of course, they I think they called the cops on him. But, you know, that's just that could have been the straw that broke the camel's back for that guy. And he's in the wrong. You know, guy. Any, if you pull a gun out on somebody, even if they're annoying you in Fred Meyer... You know, you're in the wrong. The second you pull a gun out, you are the bad guy. That's how it works. But at the same time, you have to wonder if that was just... That guy probably doesn't meditate. I happen to have a really... I, I meditated for an hour this morning, which... Uh, actually, not even this morning. It was right before I left to go to the... Uh, to go get my Miami Cola. I visualized... Here's what I did during my hour-long meditation. I visualized myself obtaining Miami Cola. And you know what I'm doing? I have a Miami Cola in my hand right now. What does that tell you? Visualization works. I'm in Miami Cola. That invisible airplane in my brain took me... I went to, uh, you know, Miami Cola Airport, and now I'm walking the streets. I'm walking, I'm walking among those glowing palm trees... Those, they look like palm trees, but they're made out of pure light. And the water, you know, it kind of looks like normal water, except it, it's glowing too. And that's how you feel at Miami Cola in the city of Miami Cola. But, but anyway, you know, I, you know, I had a long meditation and stuff, so it's, you know, there really is something to that. And I, I, I don't joke around when I say that meditation does help set you right. And, you know, and when someone does try to poke at you a little bit, when someone does nitpick you, having a discipline, having a practice, keeping yourself in check, keeping a, a, a you know, keeping a wide open perspective does help in those situations because it's very easy. I mean, it'd be very easy right now. You think it's crazy. I mean, you think it's crazy. You hear about a guy who pulls a gun out on someone because of a because he got nitpicked in a grocery store, and you're like, that guy's fucking insane. What an asshole. And what you don't realize is how close you are to being that guy at any given moment when you don't keep yourself in check on a regular basis. 
you know, and, and when you see these people too, I saw the video of the two ladies, they had blocked a guy in, he was in an aisle in Walmart or someplace like that. And he had, there was a different lady on each side of the aisle. Each of them had their cell phones out and they were filming him for not wearing a mask. And he was just like, you guys need to get a life. You guys need to get a life. You, you're just obsessed with your computers. And, and the, the woman kept going, this isn't a computer, it's a phone. And he goes, you guys are just obsessed with your computers. And it's like, first of all, he wasn't necessarily referring to their phones as computers. He was just saying they're the kind of people who are obsessed with their computers, which is true. But he's actually, if he was referring to their cell phones, he's also right. Because that's what I've been saying all along. It's a, it's a total illusion that we have se- smartphones. A smartphone is just a really stupid way of saying you have a handheld supercomputer in your pocket. We call it a smartphone. Even though we never make phone calls anymore, it's a computer. But anyway, this guy was blocked in. They, ha- they had cornered uh, They had blocked him in on each side of the aisle. They were each standing there filming him. Which I just have to say again, you know, again, I don't want this to be an episode, you know, with this Miami Cola in my hand, I don't want this to turn into an episode where I'm just talking about everything that sucks. Um, but I'll, I'll do it a little bit. Um, and, you know, just that's one of the things that's become normal that does greatly disturb me. This willingness to live stream and video somebody without their consent and broadcast it to millions of people. And then there's a plus side to that too, which is that, yeah, somebody can film a cop killing somebody and say, hey, you know, no matter what that cop says, here's video proof. Or, or on the other side, someone says that a cop did something wrong and here's video proof that the cop actually didn't do something wrong. But, you know, it's, it, uh, here's, here's proof of somebody committing a crime. We have evidence. That's the good thing about having these video recording capacities on our phones with us. That's that's the good thing about all of us being video cameramen at will. The downside of it is that people will just document somebody. They will take photos of somebody when they're having a bad day. They'll take video of somebody when they're having, like, you know, a breakdown. And they'll be like, hey, I'm going to post this on Reddit or whatever, or Twitter, and I'm gonna. Millions of people are gonna see this person having a bad day or a bad moment, and that's not okay. And I, I don't hear about any. You don't hear about anybody getting in trouble for that. Like if I was having, if something really bad happened to me and I had a meltdown in public where I didn't hurt anybody, where I just behaved. No, here, here's a great example. It, what if? Because that that incident, the pussy flames in hell incident. Which, if I ever had a Wikipedia, there should be a subsection that says the Pussy Flames in Hell incident. Uh, and then it would explain the story. But, you know, that was before people were, you know, there were smartphones, but that was pretty early on. I want to say that was maybe 2000, 2014. I don't know what year it was. Probably 2014. So people had all of this stuff. But just to show you how, even though the technology was there, our culture has changed since then, where now people wouldn't think twice. Like, I probably would have been filmed by somebody in that incident, because there were people around, hence it being so embarrassing. There were people watching me yell, go lick pussy flames in hell, to that convenience store owner. Somebody probably, in 2020, somebody would have probably been recording that, and they probably would have put it online, and everybody would know me as the pussy flames in hell guy. And I would have no control over that. And is there any recourse? Like, is there any... When someone puts someone online who's not committing a crime, who's not doing anything that warrants some kind of massive public reaction, it's just some sort of awful form of entertainment, which I admit, like, I will watch occasionally. You know, I'm not perfect, but... Now more than ever, I'm aware of something being horribly wrong with this panopticon world where you never really know who's watching you and you're, you never know who has their smartphone out and is taping you having a drunken meltdown. And once that gets online, people make copies of it. They repost it. 
You know, it's it, there's really no escape, and that ruins people's lives. That's the thing too is that that can easily ruin someone's life because then people have this ability to dox that person, and I hate that word dox. They doxed him. I hate that word, but it, like selfie and everything else, it's become the word for that. But we just live in this world where that can happen, where you bust out your phone and you, you record somebody doing something. And if it's criminal, I feel a little bit differently about that. You know, because I, I think that is, there is, you know, everything has a plus and a minus side. Everything has its productive use as well as its malignant shadowy side and that's true for smartphones especially where yeah you know being able to record somebody in any given moment you know you can use that for good you can use that for justice but you can also use it as some form of public humiliation you can use it to destroy someone's life so use that power wisely if you're going to use it at all um, but yeah, like imagine if 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 my incident had happened in 2020, there'd be YouTube and Twitter. Everybody would know who the Pussy Flames and Hell guy is with his broken beers and his anger. <laughs> but creativity. Maybe I would be a. Maybe I would have become. Maybe I would be that millionaire that I strive to be someday. Maybe maybe that million dollars would be in my pocket now if that video had gotten big or if there was even a video of it at all maybe i should recreate that moment but you can't people would know people would know it was bullshit they would say this is staged this looks staged people would know it was staged if i tried to do it again or those girls that i met that night they would see the staged video and they would be like this guy's done this before this guy's done this before we met this guy at a bar and he seemed kind of cool and charming, and then he did this. He's done this before. He does this all the time. Um, but uh, enough about that. I just This is the nitpicking thing. The guy, uh, when I was buying my two Miami Colas, walking on cloud nine, really. I, I might have been in a Shell station or whatever it was, a Texaco. A she- I think it's a Chevron now. I think they changed. I think it's a Chevron. Uh, you know, I, I, I might've been inside of a Chevron convenience store, but I, as far as I'm concerned, I was walking on cloud nine. I had two Miami Colas in my hand. Uh, but, uh, this guy nitpicked me over using too much hand sanitizer and getting a little, a couple globs of hand sanitizer on that dirty counter where all kinds of people put their hands, you know, it's just don't nitpick people. If you can avoid it. And if you can't avoid it, be as constructive as possible and make sure it's something important and make sure that that person will listen to you and not go home and record a podcast after drinking most of a Miami Cola and feeling amped. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is one of those things that we should be especially aware of right now is it's actually dangerous to nitpick people. You know, it's in that sounds very silly, especially in this time where we're hearing slogans like silence is violence. Oh, if you say the wrong thing, that erases someone's life. If you say the wrong thing, that is actually an act of violence. You know, he oh, he has an opinion that differs from what they're teaching at local liberal arts colleges, that makes him dangerous. You know, we're in this world where we're using these extreme... We're condemning people in this extreme way and twisting the definitions of words in an effort to gain more power. You know, silence is violence. Actually, it's not. Actually, it's not. Actually, silence isn't violence. You can come up with an argument that says, you know, silence can enable violence, and that might be what you're saying, but to say silence is violence, that's not what it means. It's just not what it means, so don't say it. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to get into that territory myself when I say that nitpicking is dangerous. But I do feel that it is. 
And maybe that's what my sign, I'm going to go stand on the street with a sign and it'll say nitpicking is dangerous. <laughs> but it is, and it's not dangerous because the act itself of nitpicking is that dangerous. It's just that so many people right now, they're living in a house of toothpicks. And the slightest nitpick, the slightest unnecessary criticism, the slightest petty remark could really cause that house of toothpicks to tumble. And uh, we don't want that. Because it's not that what that person does in response is okay or justified. That person who's living in a house of toothpicks and their toothpicks tumble because you told them they used too much hand sanitizer at the gas station, it's not that their response is okay or justifiable. But we shill, we, we shill. We still shouldn't do anything to provoke it. If we can help it. Like, I mean, if someone is doing something that actually is dangerous or truly disrespectful, we shouldn't just let them do that by thinking, oh, well, I don't want to correct that person because I'm afraid that their house of toothpicks is going to tumble and they might do something drastic. You don't want to think that about everything because sometimes you do need to say things. But I guess that's my point is because there are times when you do need to step up. There are times when you do need to put someone in their place. Or there are times when you just need to give someone some meaningful advice. Because there are times when you will absolutely have to do that, you shouldn't waste your energy and invite potentially dangerous outcomes by nitpicking people for every little reason. It's like when the guy got mad at me for having a few too many yogurts in the express lane a few months ago. I saw the humor in it. You know, I saw the I saw the humor in it, but I could still feel that inner fight. I could still feel that desire to lunge at the guy. And I'm someone who I've never lunged at anybody in my life. But I could still feel that inside of me. I could feel that ancient part of me going, this guy's trying to cause problems with me, and I kind of just want to grab him by the throat. But more than that, I want to go home and eat my five extra yogurts that I bought that he's mad at me about because it put me over the 25-item limit. I would rather go home with my yogurts, with my extra yogurts, than lunge at this guy and choke slam him into the bags of chips behind him. Even though he kind of deserved that. But fortunately, I'm not living in a house of toothpicks. For me, toothpicks are something that you put in your mouth to look cool. Fortunately, my world isn't made of toothpicks. But it doesn't mean things don't irritate me. It doesn't mean things can't piss me off. It doesn't mean that I don't like to be nitpicked. Because I don't. So it's, it's really, uh, I mean, if you want to get cliche about it, it's just choose your battles. Right now is the time to really choose your battles. Because we all have plenty of them in our own personal lives right now. We all have plenty of internal battles to fight inside of ourselves right now. Even if you're doing great. Even if you're doing wonderful. Even if you have no real worries in your day-to-day -day life. Right now, there are still going to be internal battles to fight. Could be something as simple as, you know, checking the news too much. There are all sorts of things that you could be working on. Maybe that's a better way to put it rather than framing it as internal battles, which I like. I like thinking of things that way. But you could just think of them, we all have things that you know we need to work on. But that's the exact reason why people lash out. And I'm not saying the guy at the gas station got mad at me for using too, many, too much hand sanitizer. And I still stand by it, Judge. I still, I still stand by it that I used one pump. And I was not aggressive. I didn't aggressively pump that thing down. I didn't slam my hand down like a... Speaking of judges, like a, I didn't slam my hand down like a gavel. Order in the court. 
hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, but, uh, you know, we all have something to work on ourselves, and but everyone knows that. Deep down, everybody knows that, and that's why people lash out in many cases. It's a lot easier to lash out, because as soon as you stop lashing out, you have to look in the mirror. As long as you can keep lashing out, you can kind of keep going. You can kind of maintain some momentum. But the second that life stops you from lashing out, you got to worry about what's going on inside again. And for some people, that's unbearable. For some people, having to look inside and not being able to force that energy out and project it onto other people and blame other people and nitpick and... As soon as they're forced to stop doing that, it's bad news for them because they're not ready to look at themselves. They're not ready to live with themselves. And that's my concern right now is that people are going to try to continue lashing out for as long as possible. Because even if they don't know it, even if they don't consciously know it themselves... Somewhere deep down, they know that lashing out is giving them more time. It's giving them uh, it's giving them some kind of buffer between actually dealing with their own internal problems, their own dissonance with this whole life thing, their own cognitive dissonance. So don't nitpick people. Just don't do it. Drink Miami Cola. Get a girl in a bikini to walk over to you with an ice-cold Miami Cola while you're in Miami Cola. And I can't really think of much better than that. Girl in a bikini bringing you a nice, cold Miami Cola. It'll give you energy. Tastes good. There's nothing to complain about. There's actually nothing to complain about. Someone can tell you, oh, that's bad for you. That energy drink is bad for you. Probably. I bet Bang Energy Drink is bad for you. And it's probably not good that this is the third one I've had in less than a week. But you got to give yourself a little something, too. You got to give, you know, daddy works hard, so daddy gets to play hard. You know, I work hard so that I can occasionally get myself a Miami Cola. And in this case, that means I'm drinking the second Miami Cola I've ever had. But But that sounds pretty occasional to me. Having the second Miami Cola I've ever had sounds pretty occasional to me. And it definitely sounds like playing, too. I'm playing. I got a Miami Cola in my hand. I'm playing. Um, I had more to talk about. I I did. I, I had more I wanted to talk about, but I it, so far it's all been bad things at convenience stores and great things that come in a can called Miami Cola. I was going to talk about archetypes. The gas station clerk—that's an archetype. The gas station owner a certain archetype. I guess I'll go into it. You know, I was thinking earlier about how we gravitate towards certain archetypes and we sometimes try to embody them and it sounds very pretentious. You know, you get all Jungian, Carl Jung had all all his talk of archetypes. And when you say that, the common person isn't, they're going to tune out. And, you know, in, in the Jungian sense, there's a tendency to think of these mythological, you know, it's it's a, more of an archaic look at archetypes and what they are. But one way that we all come into contact with archetypes is through celebrities and in particular the characters that people play in movies. And I, I look back at when I was a kid and something that we always tended to do, my friends and I, is we would go, I'm so-and-so. If you're watching a G.I. Joe cartoon, you're playing with G.I. Joe action figures, you go, 
I'm Snake Eyes. I'm Duke. And it's funny what people would choose. Because I would never choose the main guy. The all-American Duke. All-American Duke. But there was the character Duke from G.I. Joe, and he's a blonde guy, good-looking. He, he's just the ultimate American guy who happens to be, you know, a ripped super soldier. And he's a leader of some kind. I can't remember his exact position, but he, he's the main guy. He's the main guy, the hero. He's the hero. Duke is the hero. And uh, this neighbor kid that I was friends with, he would always want to be Duke. He would always think, I'm Duke. And I had no problem with that. Because sometimes you'd want to be the same character. Because we would sometimes role-play what people now call role-playing. We called it playing guns, which I prefer. Where we would play with our toy guns and pretend to be certain characters. Sometimes we would make up our own, but a lot of times we would choose a movie or a cartoon or a comic. But, you know, my neighbor Scotty, he would always, he would always be Duke. And I was totally cool with that. Because I always wanted to be, like, the more... I would always go for the characters like Snake Eyes or Storm Shadow, the guys in masks, but not just the guys in masks, but also the guys who were kind of a supporting guy who was really cool. I never wanted to be the main guy. I never wanted to be the main hero. And, you know, between ages like 7 or 8 and 11, Star Wars was it for me. Like, Star Wars was all I cared about between second and fifth grade. Like, there really wasn't much room for anything else in my life. I played football starting in, I guess, fourth grade, but, you know, I, and I was always into sports and stuff. But outside of that, really, Star Wars was, my friends and I, we were just, Star there was life, there was going to school and having a family, and then there was just Star Wars, and that was just what our lives were during that time. But again, like, I never wanted to be Luke Skywalker, I never wanted to be the archetypical hero. And some friends did. Some friends were like, I want to be Luke. Duh, duh, I want to be Luke. I want to be Luke. I didn't want to be Han Solo either, though. Although Han appealed to me more than Luke. I liked Lando, but I, I don't even know. It was Star Wars, I'm not even sure which character I really wanted to act out. I'd have to, I'd have to do some deep soul-searching. It wasn't Vader. It wasn't any of the bad guys. Maybe one of the bounty hunters. Maybe Boba Fett or something. Uh, I'm sure it was... But it, it would have been... Again, it would have been one of the more mysterious characters, I guess, is kind of what I'm getting at here. Uh, you know, there was the show Speed Racer. And my friends and I didn't act out Speed Racer. <laughs> no, we didn't have cars. Uh, but still, when I would watch that, and I didn't watch it a ton, but I remember watching Speed Racer and like just in terms of what you gravitate toward, and I would think, oh, you know, Racer X, of course. Racer X is the coolest character. Well, whereas somebody else might think, oh, Speed Racer, Speed, he's the coolest guy. He's the main guy. He's the hero of the story, and the hero of the story is who you gravitate toward in many cases, but... Not all of us do, and I found that with some of my friends, they were kind of, they thought along the lines I did, where they would go for a different character. They weren't always going for the main guy. Like, my best friend Nick, like, when we would act out Star Wars, he was Han every time. He was always going to be Han. And uh, he was drawn to that sort of rogue archetype, that heroic sort of, almost an anti-hero. I wouldn't say Han Solo is is an anti-hero, but he's more prone. He seems that way at first. But my best friend Nick, he was always, there was no question. He never even experimented with other characters. He always viewed himself as Han. And it made sense for his personality, too. That was the archetype that he gravitated toward. And, uh,. But it's interesting how that would play out, where you'd have a whole group of kids. There'd be four or five of us playing guns, and we'd be pretending to be G.I. Joes, pretending to be Ninja Turtles. I mean, Ninja Turtles might be a great example, because each of the characters has such a strong personality type and set of interests. You know, you have the nerdy scientist. You have the leader. You know, Leonardo is obviously the hero, and he has swords. We think of heroes having a sword. So Leonardo, of course, is that hero. And he's in blue. 
like the ultimate male color. And I, and yeah, the original Ninja Turtle comics that were in black and white, they all wore red, even though the comic pages themselves, those original Eastman and Laird comics, like the, the illustrations inside the book were in black and white, but on the cover you could see that they all had Raphael red bandanas. And that's who I gravitated toward. I gravitated toward Raphael, the moody, dark character. He was the one who, he had these little knives, these size. But he was the one who would storm off in the movie. He swears. He says, damn, it's a children's movie. Although that movie is very dark and good. The first live-action Ninja Turtles movie is actually a very dark, gritty New York movie. And uh, But Raphael, he's, damn, damn, whatever he says. Can't do, uh, can't do it right. Um, but uh, I always gravitated toward Raphael, whereas the neighbor kid who was kind of happy-go-lucky, he would always want to be Michelangelo. Whereas to me, it's like the dumb party guy who only cares about pizza. Yeah, they all like pizza, but Michael's the one. Like He's, he's the first He's the first hand on the pizza. When the pizza arrives, he's the first one reaching for a slice, and he's got all the cowabunga. He's, he's the party guy, and he wears orange. You know, I've never been drawn to the color orange. It's a beautiful color. I like flowers that are orange, but as far as clothes and just using orange to, as my color, no way. I would go for a Raphael. He's in maroon. He's got the blood, a deep blood-colored bandana. He's got these sharp little weapons. He's uh, moody and dark, you know? That's just the character that I gravitated toward. And I liked the others, you know, And whereas somebody else who's kind of nerdy might have liked Donatello, but it was interesting how acting that out as kids, each kid would gravitate toward a certain character. And yeah, sometimes you'd come into conflict because you both want to be the same guy. But uh, oftentimes kids just kind of, I don't know, water found its own level and kids would identify with a certain character and want to play that out and not really experiment much with it either. It wasn't like, well, you know, I was was Raphael when we played this yesterday, so I think I want to be Donatella today. You didn't really do that. You just had certain characters that you liked. Even the movie Aliens. You know, my neighbor, the same neighbor kid I keep referring to, because we did a lot of this. We did a lot of what people would now call role-playing. But at the time, we were just acting out stories and visual, like turning our neighborhood into this alternate reality, this alternate landscape. And uh, it was just, it was interesting, though. Even, like, we were playing Aliens, you know? And, and of course, nobody was Ripley, because nobody wanted to be a woman, but we would find people to be. Oh, I'm Hicks. I'm trying to remember the name of uh, Bill Paxton's character. Can't remember. But we, we would all. Somebody would be Apone, the guy who dies at the beginning of the movie. Someone would want to be him because he's the cool. He's the you know. It was a common stereotype in action movies and just mini-movies back then, that there would always be a cool black guy who would be the first to die. And that was even parodied in comedy movies, how the cool black guy is always the first one to die. Usually he sacrifices himself. So somebody would want to be Apone. I think I remember fighting over who wants to be Apone, which is an interesting name, Apone. It would be like, I want to be Apone. I want to be Apone. But you gravitate towards certain characters. And what are those? I mean, they're archetypes. You don't know that's what they are. You don't have to take Psych 101. You don't have to study these things. You don't have to write a paper on archetypal symbolism. But you naturally pick up on those things, and largely through your own personality and your own just it's just who you are it's what makes you who you are and uh, people it's one of those things that people forget though because you have so many other roles that get forced on you you get sucked into this whirlwind and you know I'm not somebody who harps on the whole children are so pure 
children, they're just so pure. Uh, you know, while there's truth to that, it's like I'm not somebody who harps on that or sees kids as something other than what they are. Because there's a lot going on with kids, and it's not entirely pure. I mean, kids come up with all kinds of perverse jokes. Kids are capable of a lot, and there's a lot going on in their brains. But there is sort of a purity in how they respond to things. And that's one of the reasons why I think kids look at certain characters and they are drawn to them. Something in them... Something in certain characters speaks to them, and it's something that can't be taught. Because if it was taught, or if it was something that, yeah, if it was something that was basically taught to them or presented to them, every kid would always want to be Luke Skywalker. Every kid would always want to be Superman. But kids don't think that way. Certain kids gravitate toward even just minor characters rather than the hero. And that doesn't mean they don't want to be a, a hero. doesn't mean they don't want to be a good guy. Because, I mean, my friends, we always chose to be good guys, as far as the story goes. I don't remember a time where we thought, you know, today let's be Cobra. Oh, I want to be Cobra Commander today. Today, you know, I'm, I'm sick of being the good guys. I want to be Cobra Commander. You know, I don't remember a time where we did that. I mean, it's possible. Because I did like the bad guys. I did think the bad guys looked cool and did cool things sometimes, but for the most part, we never wanted to identify with them. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> one of those things that it's not in... It's not in a lot of the pop culture descriptions of Jeffrey Dahmer, but his favorite character in Star Wars was Emperor Palpatine. I'm not even kidding. Jeffrey Dahmer loved Star Wars, and his favorite character was the freaking Emperor. And if that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what does, you know? Because it's like, out of all the characters, because I mean, I grew up watching Star Wars. Yeah, Boba Fett was cool. Everybody loves Boba Fett, the mysterious bounty hunter with an awesome outfit. Until they ruined him by, like, making him a clone of his father who wears the same outfit. And it turns out all the original stormtroopers were clones of him, too. You know, until they ruined him with that convoluted story and overexposed him. When he was just the mysterious bounty hunter that you get glimpses of. I mean, there's a reason that guy was going to become a cult favorite. There's a reason why people thought Darth Vader, the Black Knight, was cool as shit. There's a reason for that. You know, the same goes for some other characters. All those bounty hunters in Empire Strikes Back, there's a reason why people thought they were kind of cool. They were these outlaws. But I didn't know a single kid. I didn't, I've never known a single person who says, yeah, I love Star Wars. And you know who's really cool? Emperor Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine. Okay, guys, we're going to play Star Wars today, and, uh, oh, you're going to be Luke, you're going to be Lando, uh, oh, oh, you're going to be Chewie? Okay. Well, I get to be Emperor Palpatine, you know, the idea of, a, of someone, and I, I don't know that Jeffrey Dahmer, I don't know how old he was when Star Wars came out, you know, you know that my true crime knowledge is really slipping when I don't know how old Jeffrey Dahmer was. When Star Wars came out, I think he was fairly old. I mean, I think he was close to adulthood. But just the fact that anybody of any age, whether they're a kid or an adult, would watch Star Wars and think that Emperor Palpatine was the coolest character. And that's 100% true. Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> he even bought contacts so that he could look more like him. And he, he admired the control that Emperor Palpatine was able to have over people because Dahmer's whole thing was wanting to be able to control other human beings. But uh, it's just, that's that's how you know your kid's a serial killer. Be like, okay, you know, yeah, it's, it's cool. You, you like the badass bounty hunter. Okay, I get it. Me too. Dad likes Boba Fett too. Dad's going to wear a Boba Fett shirt too. But the second that your kid starts going, you know what, Emperor Palpatine, I'm kind of feeling Emperor Palpatine. That's when you get your kid therapy. Not that I'm some big proponent of therapy, but you do something. You, do, you don't reward that at the very least. You reward your kid when they're showing a passion for some engrossing story like Star Wars. You reward your kid. You're like, oh, my kid is very interested in something. I'm going to encourage that. 
I'm going to encourage my kid's imagination. But you don't reward your kid when they come home being like, I get to be Emperor Palpatine today. Oh, when we when we role play as Star Wars characters, the archetype that I'm going to gravitate toward is the evil emperor who has no aesthetic appeal and just sits around trying to make people do things that they don't want to do. <laughs> you know, that's and that's an archetype. You know, and the fact that Jeffrey Dahmer gravitated toward that archetype I'm not going to say, you know, that explains it all. Oh, that explains why he's a ethereal killer. That explains why he's a ethereal killer. You know, it's not like a, you can go that far with it. But when you put two and two together, you kind of go, eh, you know, maybe there's something to that. Maybe we should start asking every serial killer who they gravitate toward. And I mean, this, it's, it's the same tr- for real life people. Like what kind of celebrities, what kind of musicians, what kind of larger than life people and things does your kid gravitate toward? I mean, when it comes to music and stuff like that. I mean, when I was a teenager, I went through a phase where I was just completely obsessed with Glenn Danzig. You know, and that to me, he represented a certain archetype. Again, kind of that, kind of that dark character, but not necessarily completely bad. Because, you know, Danzig, he wasn't necessarily trying to make himself out to be while, yeah, there's there's some dark imagery, there's some satanic imagery, he certainly wasn't trying to make himself out to be a pillar of light. But he also wasn't necessarily coming, he didn't necessarily come across as a, uh, like he wasn't trying to make himself out to be some sort of depraved animal either, some depraved beast of hell. He just talked about that stuff and used dark imagery. So I don't know. I don't want to go too far with this. I've already gone too far with it. Um, I just want to enjoy my my Miami Cola. I just want to enjoy a nice Sunday here in the land of Miami Cola and talk about archetypes and how kids gravitate towards certain characters and how you can't necessarily predict it. You can't necessarily predict which character in a story a kid is going to want to embody. You can't necessarily predict which celebrity, which musician, which actor somebody is going to identify with. But it does tell you a lot about who that person is. It does tell you about something uh, tell you about somebody when they just based on what they think is cool. And maybe that's a better way of thinking it than this, well, the the archetypical, the archetypical role held by the hero, maybe rather than talking about that, it's just, what do you think is cool? What kind of characters do you think are cool? The one with Miami Cola in his hand. Oh, my favorite character? Benito Mussolini gasolini, the fuel for your ga- <laughs> the fuel for your Lamborghini. And the girl with the bikini, she ain't bringing him an Appletini. She's bringing him a Miami Colini. And you know what's actually best of all? The actual slogan of Bang Energy Drink, and I didn't realize that until today, until I looked at this can of Miami Cola. Bang. Fuel your destiny. The slogan of Bang Energy Drink is fuel your destiny. And that can actually work itself into my rhyme. I'm Benito Mussolini Gasolini. I'm the fuel for your destiny. The fuel for your destiny. I recommend it. Miami Cola. Get yourself a can. Don't let anybody nitpick you. Gravitate toward the archetypes that you just intuitively know are cool, as long as they aren't Emperor Palpatine. And hey, maybe your life will work itself out in a way that you can enjoy. Maybe you can respect yourself. Maybe you can look in the mirror, and when you see yourself with that can of Miami Cola, you can say, hey, it's all working out. 
land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free 